Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. Pressure, right? Stress, life at 90 miles an hour. You don't even have to be a NASCAR driver or, you know, uh, get pulled in that frantic, stretched thin, constantly behind, always on the go pace of life. I mean, you don't even need a high pressure job or three kids to, 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 to corral to kind of feel the effects of marginless living. If the people in this room and, and joining us online are a typical cross-section of 21st century Western culture, we probably share the same mantra. Do you, re- do you remember that famous line from Top Gun? I feel the need for speed. Life in overdrive, right? Or overload. It's like the American way. Pedal to the metal, push it to the limit in every area of life. So you have an 80-hour work week, you know, a four-hour commute, endless emails, appointments, activities, sports, classes, commitments, more time at the office, school, less with family because you got to get her done, right? Bills to pay, stuff to buy, gadgets to upgrade, and not enough money to pay for it all. So you've got a bank account that's bleeding red. How many of you have an ATM card where you can't even like read the numbers because they're almost like wiped, swiped so many times you're so thin, almost rubbed off? You know, our time, our money, our relationships all pushed to the very edge of our limits, to the breaking point with literally no margin for error. And it's like, why do we live like that? It's like there's something in us that just like drives us to push everything to the breaking point and take it to the absolute extreme in all aspects of our life, faster and faster, more and more, as if that's what will add value to our experience of life. I saw the perfect illustration of this um, when Colleen and I took our kids to a summer carnival that came to our town. It was one of those deals that like sets up in like a, you know, the parking lot for the weekend. So like they took over a ShopRite parking lot, you know, like $1 rides, funnel cakes, Ferris wheel, the whole shebang. So we thought it'd be fun to like take the, you know, the kids and, and so we invited uh, some friends who had little girls as well. Mike and Tara came, Chris and Sandy and, uh, and the fun part of the afternoon was when the dads, we got to take our daughters on the rides. My, um, my little girl Chase, uh, Mike's daughter Mora and Chris's little Natalie. They were only three or four years old at the time that they'd never been on a carnival ride. So we're like, this is like the perfect intro. So we took them on the teacups. You know the teacups? Everyone's familiar with the teacups, right? Well, this carnival's version of the teacups were these giant spinning strawberries, okay? You can see them here in the little picture, um, the, the giant spinning strawberries. The kids are like, yeah, spinning strawberry. And, uh, and I like wanted to go on the Ferris wheel, and, uh, but a couple of the girls were like scared of heights, so we figured, all right, first time, don't freak them out, spinning strawberries it is. So me and Mike and Chris, we get our little girls, we get the $1 tickets, you know, we check the height requirement, and we like get in line, and finally it comes to our turn. So all the dads pile in the spinning strawberry with Chase, Natalie, and more. And we're like, we wait. Wait for the ride to get started. And now you know how this thing works, right? There's this giant twisting wheel in the middle, right? Which you guys know. You turn it to make the teacup or the strawberry, in this case, spin. So, so Big Mike takes the first crack at it. He's like, you ready, girls? You know, and he starts doing this thing. And the girls like giggle because they start feeling this. You know, the strawberry's starting to spin. And, and then Chris nudges me and he motions to Mike. And he's like, Phew. so I guess that's all he's got. <laughs> And Mike's like, that's not all I have, right? So he starts letting her go, and, and Chris is like, he's like, let me see this thing. Who wants to ride, girls, right? And he starts turning it, and then the ride starts, and we start going round and round, and now like we're all laughing, Mike and Chris are spinning together, and we're starting to pick up steam. Now, question, what is better than a spinning strawberry going 30 miles an hour? 
how about 60 miles an hour? So I reach in there, right, and grab the spinning wheel with Chris and Mike. And now it's really fun because all of a sudden you start feeling that like centrifugal force and like you're getting pulled back and, and Mike's kind of pinned to the wall and like we're all laughing. So now we got a system because like Mike pulls it this way, Chris takes it there, and I'm on the other side, three dads just cranking it out like a well-oiled machine. And we're like laughing, having the time of our lives. Our little girls, on the other hand... <laughs> this is actually the picture that Natalie's mom snapped as our strawberry swirled by. It's like the strawberry patch of terror, you know? Why is it that most of us, I mean men in particular, are convinced that the only thing better than everyday life in fast motion is life at Mach 5? That if we can't like push the experience to the absolute limit our work, our spending, our relationships, then we'll miss out on the real fun. I mean, and that picture is telling. What you don't actually see here is my little girl, Chase, and, and she finally got my attention. I was oblivious because I'm just like spinning and whipping around. And, and finally I see her tears and, and she cries. She cries, slow down, daddy, too fast. I want to get off. You know what? I think that's how a lot of people feel about life. <laughs> how many of you feel that way? Anyone here feel about that way? But yeah, okay. Slow down. Too fast. I just want to get off. Our days are overscheduled. It's always on to the next thing. And the speed at which we're living actually begins to have a negative impact on the lives of those who are closest to us. But we don't notice. Because the world just goes spinning by. I mean, day after day, our experience of, of life itself, while full of adrenaline, it's just a, a blur for the most part. And in its extreme, harmful to those we're supposed to care the most about. Now, I need to make a little caveat here because I'm guessing um, some of you are, you know, about to, like, call Dyfus on your, you know, on your cell phone. Uh, but when we saw the girls crying, you know, we quickly slowed the strawberry, like, Mike, you know, and, uh, and the operator stopped the ride. And, you know, the mommies came rushing in, you know, they grabbed the girls. And, and let, you know, let's just say there was no loving for the daddies the rest of the weekend. You know, it's like, that's it. But, uh, but things are good now. Girls recover. They will be, you know, out of therapy by middle school. But, uh, so that's a plus. But you get my point. What I'm describing to you is the kind of overloaded life that is lived at a breakneck pace with no margin in all the critical areas. And many of you know what I'm talking about from firsthand experience. Life at Mach 5, stretch the limit. When it's thrilling initially, you know eventually it takes its toll. As Andy Stanley notes in his message, Take It to the Limit, he said, you know, there's, there's nothing fun about watching people live an unsustainable life. Or living a life where you're so much at the limit that there is zero margin for error. And if you make one mistake financially, one mistake emotionally, one mistake morally, or one mistake in your scheduling, you just like completely wipe out. It is no fun to watch a married couple who are both at the end of their rope emotionally. And finally, they have that one last big blowout argument. And then finally, boom, somebody snaps, right? Goes over the edge, past the limit, and they walk and say, no, I can't take it anymore. I am out. That's it. Game over. Quota exceeded. You pushed me past the breaking point. I can't handle this kind of marriage anymore. There's, there's nothing fun about a teenager who, who skates on the, on the edge morally, right? So close to the line, they know they should never cross. But one night, just take it a little too far, and they cross it. And they have to live with those memories, those scars or regret that they, they may carry with them for the rest of their lives. It is no fun to watch a friend who is at their limit financially, right? 
stretched so thin and financially strapped that, that if there's an emergency or like an unexpected bill or expense, it just like breaks them down. They, actually, they have to declare bankruptcy or take out another loan that just puts them further and further behind. And, and all of us know that it is no fun to have your schedule so packed and full of stuff that you don't actually have the space and time to enjoy any of it. Because it's all about picking up and dropping off and rushing on to the next thing. There is literally no breathing room, no margin, doing a hundred things all at once and yet lacking the time to just be still and savor completely just one of the gifts that God has given you. It's a thrilling pace for sure, but it's actually catastrophic to our soul. See, the reality is that in our everyday lives, you and I, we've got to have margin. Each of us was designed with limits. And when we constantly take it to the limit, pedal to the metal, 90 miles an hour, our engine eventually seizes. Maybe not right away, but the bill comes due. And that's why we desperately need margin or or space between our load, what we actually take on, and our limits, what we can sanely handle. If you live without margin, you might get away with it for a while, but eventually you'll have a problem in all of the areas that matter most. Emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally. The truth is, we live in a culture that pushes us to the limit. And so we, ha- we think we have to live there. It's culturally imposed, but we don't. <laughs> you actually don't. As we're going to see over the course of the next few weeks, you don't have to live on the edge 24-7. You don't have to be maxed out financially. I know you live in New Jersey or 20 miles outside of New York City, but you actually don't have to be maxed out financially (laughs) or stretched thin relationally or at the breaking point emotionally. God actually has a plan for your life that invites us actually to back away from the ledge and slow down and get off the spinning strawberry. (laughs) and reestablish what matters most. In fact, it was Jesus himself who extended the invitation to folks in the first century to discover a whole new way of living, a life that was actually marked by peace, not stress, by contentment, not consumption. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus extends this invitation to restore balance this way. He said this, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is actually going to serve as our anchor verse for this entire series. And this is an incredible invitation that God extends to each of you. To actually exchange, you're actually going to trade off your manic, frenzied pace of life for rest. (laughs) To to trade in the weariness of our our workaholism or compulsively over, you know, book schedules for for peace? (laughs) Really? Or can you imagine, instead of living life at like the breaking point, stretched to the edge, strapped by bad decisions, Jesus actually offers freedom. But it will cost us. Freedom always does. We have to actually be willing to re-examine our priorities and admit how toxic some of our choices are on a day-to-day basis and actually be willing to say no. And you know what? That's hard. That's hard. To let go 
and, and, and release our, our, our grip on the accelerator and, and actually just trust God to, to steer us to purpose and meaning and contentment. But you know what? Personally speaking, I am up for the ride. Anyone else want to come along on this ride? This is where we're going this fall. That's great. You need to know that in a lot of ways, um, just confessional moment here, I am the least qualified person to guide us on this journey. This is, this is I saw Matt out in the, uh, in the lobby there. He's passing. He's like, all right. I'm like, dude, this is, this is kind of like an alcoholic who's been clean for a day <laughs> saying, hey, let me show you how great sobriety is. You know, I, I need this course correction more than anyone. This became apparent to me actually on Thursday night while I was at, late at the office. I'm just doing some background research. And I emailed a friend from my office computer. And he shot an email back to me and said, Hey, Tim, it's, it's 1130 at night. What are you still doing at work? Go home. Go home, man. Go home to your family. And I typed back, I can't. i got to stay and do work for the new series on margin. <laughs> the irony of that moment is not lost on me. So I am the chief of sinners in this department, okay? The least qualified, a fellow learner, and I, and I want to grow too, all right? So let's pray together and ask God to do just that. Lord, we have um, heard your invitation to come to you. We need your help, Lord. I need your help. Many of us are weary, Lord, burdened, tired, and just out of balance. So, Jesus, we need you to slow us down here and speak to us about the things that truly matter. The things of your kingdom, God, love, relationships, compassion, contentment, all the things of life that are found in the margins. So would you please lead us into your truth? Speak to us through your word. And may we accept your invitation to find renewal and rest for our souls in you alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well. Let me begin with a couple definitions just to help get us started. Margin, I've been, you know, that word may be new to you. Let me grab the Bible here. This is actually a concept we're all familiar with. If you open up any book, it doesn't have to be a Bible, you'll, you'll see this right in front of you. If you can take a look, you'll notice, do you, do you see something? The words are not stretched across the page to the very edge. Did you notice that? There's like, there's like a half-inch strip of white on either side here. What's that thing called there? It's called the margins. Yeah, and the margin gives a page extra space, right? You could take notes in it. It gives some breathing room visually so the words aren't all like smashed together. You could actually read them. Like it'd look weird if it was like right off the page. Margin is the extra space or the buffer zone we allow so things aren't so cramped. You see margin on our highways, right? If you drive down the turnpike or the parkway or through the Lincoln Tunnel into the city, it can be a pretty howering experience, yeah? <laughs> And the seasoned driver, you know that although it may be bumper-to-bumper traffic, you want to leave a little bit of margin for error between you and the guy in front of you. You don't tailgate by the Lincoln Tunnel. Why? Because if you're cruising along at 60 miles an hour and some tool jams on his brakes, right, what happens? No margin? you got to get Geico. So we drive with margin. And you naturally do it. You naturally leave a buffer zone or a little extra space while driving. I mean, the roads themselves are designed with margin in mind, right? On the sides of us, we have that buffer zone. What's it called? It's a, that strip. It's a, yeah, it's a shoulder. And the idea is that you don't want to be zipping along at 70 with three inches between you and the guardrail. You want as much pavement as possible margin for some breathing room. That's why they put those shoulders or those zip strips, margins, for little leeway as you're traveling along. It's why when you take a plane, some of you try to upgrade to first class, right? Because why? The seats are bigger, <laughs> More legroom, right? Some margin between you and Hillbilly Harry crammed next to you. 
It's why people, I, I see some of you guys in the lobby, you don't want to stand too close to each other. You need a little personal space there. How about an Altoid, Bobby? A little buffer zone there. Just kidding. But some extra space, right? Not Bobby, sorry. You know, back off, you know, Harry Halitosis, whatever. I need some breathing room, literally. In the physical world, we naturally and intuitively understand and embrace the concept of margin. We see it all around us, right? It exists for our safety, our comfort, our health, our well-being. But when it comes to emotional margin or spiritual margin or moral margin, margin in all the areas that are unseen or invisible, that's when we never make the space or the limits that are critical to survival. So in a practical sense, margin can be defined as the extra space between our load, what we take on, and our limits, what we can sanely handle. A buffer zone between our load and our actual limits. So, practically speaking, margin, in a financial sense, that's when you actually don't max out your credit cards. Imagine the thought, right? <laughs> or open up another credit card to, with no interest to pay for the one you've got interest on. Never done it. <laughs> you don't overdraw your checking account or take on a new car loan or as much as you want or another debt that you know you can't quite afford and then actually have money to spare at the end of the month. You don't take on what's going to overextend or strap you financially. In the context of like time or scheduling, margin is only taking on, like imagine this, parents, one after-school activity at a time. <laughs> Instead of having to race around like Tony Stewart, right, to soccer and dance and taekwondo and all the rest. Or if you're work, actually declining that extra project that you know will advance you at work because you're already maxed out and you're already cheating your family. Margin is actually having a thing called free time. Ever hear this one, free time? I don't know. Look it up, Wikipedia. Uh, free time in your schedule. Not booking it all up, but actually allowing the freedom to rest and relax and just slow down. Or, or do something spontaneously with friends or your kids. Instead of everything getting jacked up against one another without a second between from bell to bell once the buzzer goes off on Monday, right? Does that sound good to anybody? <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. <laughs> then why do so many of us insist on living marginless lives? And the answer is because we prefer overload. <laughs> overload is the opposite of margin. And literally, it's, you know, it's being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the bank, because you were 10 minutes late dropping the kids off at school, because the car ran out of gas two blocks from the gas station, and you forgot your wallet. <laughs> right? Margin, on the other hand, is actually showing up somewhere 10 or 15 minutes early. Not the 645 service, but the 630. Imagine it. <laughs> or imagine some of you coming actually at 615. Whoa! <laughs> right? Imagine this. I know. I know. Shocking. Margin is getting to the end of the month and there's actually money left over because you had more than you needed. When was the last time you felt like that? I, I think I have more than I need. As far as most of us. Margin in relationships is getting into an argument or some conflict or some crisis comes up in your life and you actually have the emotional bandwidth to deal with it without losing your mind or machine gunning your spouse. <laughs> Even though you take an emotional hit, you don't actually lose your temper or start swinging or start lashing out because you've got extra reserves to draw on, on the inside to actually absorb it or sanely address it without just going over the edge. That's what margin is. And the truth is, just like you want margin, folks, on a piece of paper, or just like you want it on the highways, there's something in us that needs it in all the critical areas of our lives. 
And yet we live in this culture that devours margin and tells us put the pedal to the metal to the detriment of our soul. Dr. Richard Swenson is a physician who has written extensively on the subject of margin. He's authored a book by the title, and I am uh, currently reading The Overload Syndrome, which honestly is rocking my world (laughs) and causing me to reevaluate my entire approach to life and leadership. Uh, Dr. Swanson is actually more than a doctor. He is a follower of Jesus Christ, and he writes that the spiritual and moral effects of marginless living are not simply unwise, but deadly. I can recommend either of these books to you. I'm going to be referencing these throughout the series, all right? And so we posted some links to them at liquidchurch.com. You can just like click on it. I'll take you to Amazon. Check it out for yourself. But Swenson does this incredible job. He's a physician. So he diagnoses the spiritual tension that exists between a lifestyle of toxic overload versus one characterized by margin. And he writes this. Check this out. Overload is the baby crying and the phone ringing at the same time. Margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon. At the earlier service, all the moms were like, Amen! Go, Grandma! (laughs) Overload is not having the time to finish the book you're reading on stress. (laughs) Margin is having the time to actually read it twice. When was the last time you actually read something twice because you had the time? Overload is fatigue. Margin is energy. Overload is red ink. Margin is black ink. Overload is hurry. Margin is calm. Overload is anxiety. Margin is security. And add this. Overload is the kingdom of this world. And margin is the kingdom of God. Margin is the breathing room and space to cultivate in your life everything that actually has eternal value. Godliness. Contentment with what I have. Peace. I don't have to be frenetic. Margin is what allows you to bring life and love and joy, actually, to all the relationships that matter most in your life. To actually, imagine this, add value to your relationships, not just your leftovers. Okay. Question for you. Where would you put yourself right now on this scale? If we had a continuum here between overload and margin, where would you put yourself? Just base it kind of on this past week, okay? If you're listening online, where you are right now. If you look at it kind of like negative 10, negative 10 like means you are like you are maxed out, you are overwhelmed, you are, you are drawn and quartered. You're actually just walking in the back right now with a cup of coffee and like, hey, what, what the no? You know, you, you were late getting here. You know, Sundays sometimes draw the best out. You're like, church, oh, I'm not, you know, and you're cursing to get to church. Chronic rushing, stress and overload. If it's finances, maybe you're working two jobs, thinking about taking a third, you know, to pay off your loans. You're at a negative 10, all right? Or, or negative five, you, you're, you're still depleted and you're exhausted. You don't feel like you have an oasis in sight. Maybe you're like the mother of four who said this. Check this out. She actually said it in a USA Today article. She said, I'm so tired. My idea of a vacation is a trip to the dentist. I just can't wait to sit in that chair and relax. You're just keeping it together. You're just scrambling and clawing for the wall. If you go back to the scale, maybe you're at zero. Zero is kind of like a a place to kind of balance. You're in a pretty good spot. Maybe you're not stretched or strapped. You're busy, but you're not overbooked. You're actually able to maintain like fairly healthy relationships. You got some time like to invest in others. And yet like you're on the edge, like one thing happens. You got a curveball. It's over. You want to serve others maybe, but but you kind of lack the time to do that consistently. So it's like in fits and starts. Like I, I try. Now, if you start going up on the margin scale, plus five, that actually means that you actually have some, some breathing room. 
You're actually, you're here. You're like, you're centered, you're, you're focused, you're arrested in this. Check this out. Your life is characterized actually by peace. People are actually drawn to you because you don't radiate, but actually in, you're a soft place for people. Not always, but you've got a serenity and an openness of heart that actually draws others to you. And as you progress up that scale, folks, something else happens. Because you have enough time and freedom to be open to actually hearing God's voice and responding to what he might actually want of you. So serving others, for instance, isn't just another thing on your to-do list. It just comes naturally. Okay, where are you today? Where would you be right now? How many of you would say you're like at a, at a negative 10? You're, 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 you know, oh, how many of you are lying? That is so untrue. Like the third of the service, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Awesome. Negative, <laughs> that's great. You're like, She's sitting back chain smoking. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. Negative five. How many would say negative five? Between negative five and zero, okay? Yep, okay, about a third of you. Excellent, all right? Zero, you're kind of in a good spot right here. How many would say you're actually, you know, positive five somewhere? Like, you've got, oh, God bless you. That is just, leave. That's great. <laughs> Go, guys. That's, that is great. That's awesome. Here's what I want you to do. In your bulletin, we've got a connection card. Can you all pull this connection card out? Take that out and, and take the liquid pen, if you would, and just click that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to write your name here at the top. And would you write the number you would give yourself right now? Tell me what number you would actually say you're at right now on it. Like a typical, you know, um, fall day. This is where you'd find me middle of next week on Wednesday. I'm at a, you know, negative three or, or plus six. Where would you be? Write your name and that number, okay? It's really interesting. We're, we're collecting all of these. We're going to kind of give you a little bit of results next week, kind of where people are at. It's kind of interesting to see. Uh, it was interesting, the morning service was really stressed out. I have a feeling because it was the morning. Um, but write that on in there. You guys should be pretty chill. Now, here's what I want you to do, because this is kind of an invitation and a challenge. I want you to look at that number you are at. And here's my question for you. Could you commit to going just one click up over the next five weeks? I'm not talking like you're all like, you know, whoo, Zen, I'm all good now. It's all, no, this is, I'm talking about a little bit of progress. So in other words, right now, if where you're at, if you're strapped financially, you're at a negative five, and you actually say, you know what, I feel like I could end this month actually in the black. I could hold off. I could reevaluate even and bring everything into question, what I'm spending my money on. Or relationally, you start pulling that thread, you start asking like, ooh, I kind of am that guy who snaps at everybody. Maybe, maybe it has to do with margin. Could you imagine being in five weeks, one click up? So you're not a negative three, but you're actually just a, a, a zero. You're bringing back to a point of balance. See, this series, folks, is an invitation to overhaul your life. Actually, a radical recalibrating of your entire soul. And it's not an invitation for me. It's from God himself to you. Come to me, all of you, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will, it's a promise, find rest for your souls. Does anyone identify with that word weary? Anyone identify with that word weary a little bit? Yeah. This is, weary actually has to do with speed, okay? The Greek of this has to do with, with the pace of things. The pace at which we've been running. Oh, just running and running and running. I'm like so tired. I'm so weary. I was actually thinking of a way to like try, how can I like illustrate this to you guys? So I got the idea of actually setting up a treadmill on stage and delivering the message while I'm, we're running on a treadmill. We're not going to do that. How about burden? What do you think burden has to do? Yeah, it has to do with weight, right? How much we're carrying. 
what's, what's in your backpack? What is the load you have taken on? How heavy is your work? How heavy are your relationships? Your finances? Everything that is, is weighing on you. Come to me, every one of you, who is weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's the word? Let's say it together, rest. And this is a crucial word here, folks, rest. And it's not an invitation to take a nap. (laughs) You know, just like, I'll sleep late one morning, right? And then get back on the treadmill and head back to the rat race. No, no, no. This word connotes actually a lifestyle, a lifestyle of divine rest, of actually learning the Sabbath rhythms of life that God ordained at the foundation of creation. In this series, we're going to dive deep into a study of the Sabbath and what that really means and how it actually translates to life in our 24-7, 21st century world. And I'll give you a hint. The Sabbath is not about taking a Sunday off and going to liquid. Sabbath is about an intentional lifestyle. You adopt a lifestyle of actually retreating and resting from your work, actually on a daily basis, and creating space for God to be the only one without limits to take his rightful place as the only one on whom the universe depends. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons we, we overwork or work compulsively, because we think the world depends on us. Well, if I don't take care of things, what I mean, you know, who will? You know, it's like, you know, I'm a pastor and a practical atheist. I give lip service. I say, I trust God, you know, take care of things. But then I, I frantically strive and spend as, as if like he has nothing to do with it. Like, because if he doesn't show up, who's going to do it? Tim. Sabbath, on the other hand. It's about actually pushing away and entering into the rest of God and giving space to be still and time to heal everything that gets torn and ripped and broken during the week and slowing down and giving God permission actually to recreate our soul. That's where we get the word recreation from, recreation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. And then you notice something here, by the way? Jesus invokes this ancient agrarian image, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You guys know what a yoke is, right? This is not the egg kind. It's not Y-O-L-K, right? A yoke is this heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulders of an ox or a team of oxen. And you put the yoke on the ox's shoulders, and it's like attached to a plow or a piece of equipment, that they pull behind him. It's like how you plow a field. It is a, Jesus invokes here a primitive image of work and labor and toil and pulling. But yoke has a double meaning. See, in Jesus' world, in the first century, the word yoke had a religious connotation. A yoke referred to the particular teaching of a rabbi or a Jewish spiritual teacher. It actually referred to how they interpreted the Torah or the Jewish Bible. And and what it was said is some rabbis had a heavy yoke. In other words, they had a lot of rules and regulations and traditions and things you had to do that said they had to abide by in order to earn God's favor. That was one of the reasons the leaders of organized religion hated Jesus. Because he criticized their yoke. The excessive demands that they placed upon people who actually already had enough burdens and hurts in their life. And here comes Jesus in Matthew 11 with this incredible invitation, and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? Easy, and my burden is light. In other words, I'm not here to add one more thing to your to-do list. 
following me as your teacher and Lord is not about becoming religiously busy too. <laughs> it's actually about doing less and following my example. Look, Learn from me and living counterculturally. Not dropping your shoulder and trying harder and jamming, but allowing my spirit into your life and giving him the space and the time to rearrange your priorities and cultivate at the deepest places of you the qualities of your heavenly father. Gentleness, humility, love, peace, patience. In other words, my invitation to life is very different from man-made religion. Jesus is like, it's not about working harder or spiritually striving to prove yourself to God or others. That's a dead end. Rather, it's about slowing down and entering into the rhythms of a grace-based relationship with God. And this relationship that charges a life that was formerly wearisome and driven with this newfound kind of actually freedom and lightness that... The, the pressure is off, and, and spiritual contentment at the deepest places of your soul. Get this. Learn from me, Jesus says. Now, take that literally. I mean, Jesus, as the Son of God sent to redeem this broken world, that was his job. And so if there was ever a person who had an excuse to overload his schedule and maximize every moment of every waking day, it was pretty much Jesus. What would you do tomorrow morning if you woke up and you're like, I have the power to heal. I literally can restore sight to blind people. What would you do? I can now cure you know, disease. I can raise the dead, right? You would be like, oh my gosh, you know, coffee. I just got to stay up. I got to work this thing. Jesus did not work 24-hour days. He actually went to sleep every night without having healed every disease in Israel. People lined up and apparently he slept quite well. I mean, talk about living light. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't visit or teach or minister to everybody who needs it. I mean, if you want something disturbing, one of the most disturbing things to ponder in Jesus' life in the Gospels are all these accounts where he's out healing and ministering and like people are lining up, the crowds are gathering. They're like, he makes lame people walk and they're all like the sick are lining up and Jesus is like, yep, that's about it. My work is done here. And day over, walks away with all these people like getting in line. Time to eat <laughs> or pray or sleep. And, you're, and sometimes I read that and I'm just like, how could he do that? <laughs> you know? From an American perspective, Jesus is not a good American. <laughs> that is a squandered opportunity right there, my friend, to do more and more and have more impact. I mean, question, what's better than 10 lepers healed? How about 100? <laughs> or 1,000 stay up all weekend? Yet Jesus actually made room for margin all the time. He prioritized time for rest and holy recreation in the presence of his Father. Which, by the way, was one of his secrets to living a life that literally changed the world long after his earthly ministry was over. You want staying power? You want lasting impact? Learn from me, Jesus invites us. There were many good opportunities that he stepped over and needs that he actually chose not to meet. I mean, think about Lazarus, right? His friend Lazarus. Friend Lazarus is going to die. You actually have the power to raise the dead. You could actually cure him on the spot. And Jesus is like, yep, I'll get there. Two days. He dawdled two days. 
to go see Lazarus. We would have been, Bobby would have been like texting Medivac, like, get a helicopter over here, 20 minutes, you know, blah, 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 you know. And now, is that to imply that Jesus was lazy or he didn't care? Of course not. But it is to imply that he, he understood what it meant to be human. See, Jesus was fully God and fully human. And his fully human side understood what it meant to have limits. That is one of the lessons we all will be learning from Jesus in the weeks to come, folks. That it's okay to have limits. That God actually designed you with them. In fact, from his perspective, it is more than okay. It is imperative for you not to be all things to all people, all of the time, all by yourself. And that is going to be a paradigm shift in perspective for some of you. A-typers, right? Jesus leans in and says, learn from me. Why don't you think about this? Imagine Jesus like at the Last Supper. He's getting the moment of the Last Supper. And it's like, Peter, I... Oh, I'm sorry, my pager. This is bad. bad t- oh, sorry, guys. All right, tomorrow. His pager goes off at the Last Supper. No. For, for some of followers of Christ and for pastors as well, we actually need to invent a new uh, wristband. You know the WWJD? How about a wristband that's WWJND? What would Jesus not do? We're going to learn from Jesus in this series what it means to live in God's holy rhythms of rest and limits and margin. In John 10.10, Jesus said this. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You notice he didn't phrase it so that they may have a full life, stuffed and jam-packed and overloaded to the brim. Why? Because that's not life. In fact, when we attempt to draw life from busyness or overwork or possessions by ignoring our limits and stretching our margins, that's actually when life dries up. <laughs> you have a lack of margin in your life and you're going to see all sorts of things. You're, for starters, your stress level is going to go up. I mean, this is not a surprise to any of you who actually drive in New Jersey, right? You know what happens, right? If you have to get someplace and everywhere in New Jersey is 20 minutes, right, or 40 minutes, what, what exit? You know this. If it takes you 20 minutes to get there and you give yourself like, ah, only 15, what happens? You start speeding down 287, then you see it, that sea of red lights, right? And you're like, you know, an accident, you know, or, or some sort of delay and you just sit and you stew. Because you know you're supposed to be somewhere when the big hand reaches the 12, but you've left no margin for error. So what happens? Your stress level goes up as your time ticks down. 18 minutes, 19 minutes, 20, 21, you start getting angry, you honk the horn, you bang the wheel. You yell to nobody in particular, what's with this guy, right? And then you see an ambulance. <laughs> and then you feel bad, right? And then you think, well, maybe I, maybe I could just like scooch behind the ambulance, follow him, you know, in the shoulder, you know, hey, I can get there in time. If you are here today and you are a pretty stressed out person, or you find yourself getting steamed on a daily basis or kind of always blaming others, it's because you lack margin somewhere in your life. You lack the space and the buffer zone to function normally without the stress. Sometimes we just say, well, he's got a bad temper. I don't know. He's always popping off at people. Maybe it's not just the temper. Maybe it's the way he approaches life with no margin. Practical example. If you're the person in your family who does the checkbook, how many of you do the checkbook here? You do your finances, okay? All right, your responsible finances. Say you're married, and your wife or your husband walks in with a bunch of bags, and they've been shopping, and you, there's an unexpected expense, and you know the margin's already a little bit tight, and as soon as they start talking about the sale or the bill, in your mind, you already know you're in the red, and you're like trying to claw your way back. All of a sudden, what happens? You start getting like all emotional. You see those, those white bags, right, with the bullseye, and you're like, I know where you've been, right? 
all, all accusatory or ticked off and, and your spouse, your kids, you're like, what is with you? Every time we talk about money, you get like all uptight. It's because you see the margin shrinking. And when the margin shrinks, your stress level goes up. If you're a young woman and you're in a dating relationship with a guy who's pushing you physically further than you want to go, you, you've decided in your mind that sex is for marriage and you're out here in some relationship that you're not having sex, but you're two or three steps away from that. And every once in a while, he pushes you just a little closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And it's stressful for you. And you don't understand it. You're like, well, you know, I, it's weird. I, like, I love him, but I like, feel stress. It's because he's pushing you to narrow your margins physically and morally. And when margin decreases, guess what? Stress increases every single time because you were designed to live with limits. You were not designed to live at your limit. It's not good for motors and it's not good for souls. The second thing that happens, and it's related, is that when our margin gets eaten up, our focus narrows, we become more self-absorbed. You focus on yourself. When our bandwidth is used up or exceeded every day, we have all we can do just to survive and like keep our own lives intact, let alone you know, sacrifice to come help serve someone I don't even know, right? Check this out. USA Today says, Research demonstrates that people involved in helping others are themselves healthier. But who has time to serve? When Colin Powell convened the Volunteerism Summit in Philadelphia, here was the USA Today headline, Overstressed, Overworked, who has time to volunteer? The modern marginless lifestyle is toxic to service. And that means it's antithetical to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And at the heart of walking in his footsteps is enough margin to just naturally and regularly shift the focus from the prison of self onto the needs of others. And folks, that's really the heart of what this whole series is about. To restore balance to the most important thing in each of our lives, relationships. See, when margin decreases, relationships inevitably suffer. That is the hardest, most honest reality that there is. You know why? Because relationships happen mainly in the margin when there's downtime. When there's not financial pressure. When, when everybody has the emotional bandwidth to actually be available to one another and deal with the stuff that naturally happens in relationships. But as margin decreases, so do the health of the relationships with those closest to us because we're stressed out. Because we're mostly focused on our own situation, on our own agenda and what I want to get done and because we have less to give to other people in times of actually being present and emotional support. Relationships always suffer when that margin decreases. See, if you're married to somebody who doesn't have much margin, you feel like you don't ever get their undivided attention. If you're a person without a lot of margin in your life, the people around you feel like you never really engage. I mean, you show up for dinner, you went on the date, you actually went on vacation this year, and yes, you take a day off. But even though the words are coming out of your mouth and you nod your head at the appropriate time, the people around you feel like, she's not really here. <laughs> He's not engaged. Hey, Dad, you're here, but you're like not here? Ever hear that? Honey, even when you're home, you're not home. Physically present, yes. Emotionally, MIA. Where are you really? Why are you so distracted? That's what happens to people who live without margin. You can't fully engage relationally because your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about the extra work you committed to or the big project coming up or where you're going to get the money for this or that. Without margin, relationships 
suffer. And that's the biggest devastation of them all. Because Jesus was asked one time, hey, what's the greatest commandment? You remember what he said? What? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. Relationship with God. And the second, oh, but this is on a par with it. This, this, love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship with those around you. In other words, Jesus says, everything that's mentioned in this book actually falls under this one banner, relationship with God and others. That's hard, isn't it? Because relationships take the one thing I don't have a lot of. Time. It requires margin to do the things that demonstrate just care, let alone love. Love, what would you have to do? Like listening? (laughs) Like actually going beneath the surface and engaging on an intimate level with those closest to you? Um, I'll speak to dating or married folks. Nothing destroys intimacy in a relationship or a marriage like a lack of margin. I'm speaking from experience here, okay? Because I've had those moments where it's like, hey, Tim, Colleen's like, where are you? Oh, right, right. Oh, I forgot. It's Saturday night. Hey, kids, your father's checked out. Just ignore him. Huh? What? The sermon? What? Do I... <laughs> Busyness is the enemy of intimacy. You cannot be intimate and be very, very, very busy at the same time. How can you love when you don't even have the bandwidth to listen? And so our spouses suffer or our kids get neglected instead of nurtured. And our relationship with God, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, but... Um, I talk to a lot of people um, about faith and stuff, as you can you know, imagine. Maybe you're one of them. And, uh, and it's funny because a lot of people say, well, you know, Tim, I, you know, I used to be a Christian and I used to go to church and I used to and I used to and I used to. And it's funny, but rarely does anybody tell me that they fell away because, well, uh, I took the time to do this investigative thing and discovered that God wasn't real. Uh, the evidence that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. I just don't come across a lot of people who have lost faith because of that. I mean, they may be out there. But what I do hear is this. I hear, yeah, you know, it was actually real to me, or I was involved at one point, but then I got busy. And it sort of, I don't know, fizzled out. My margins shrank. And I don't really have time for God anymore. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate insult? (laughs) Think about this. The God who created you with limits, the God who provides for your needs, actually says, you don't have to work every day of your life. I am going to provide for you. I'm going to actually send my son to die so that you can actually enjoy true life, a relationship with meaning and purpose and joy with me, the God who made time you have no time for. That, my friends, is the insanity of marginless living. That the biggest cost of overload is first your relationship with those you love, and then secondly, your relationship with the God who loves you. It's tough stuff. I look in the mirror on this, but as you squeeze margin out, you squeeze God right out of your life. And as your margins narrow and stretch and get thinner, so does your relationship with your heavenly father because relationships happen mainly in the margin which is why jesus calls us back he says no no no, back away come to me all of you who are weary and burdened and just take a load off come get some rest let let me help untangle 
you and, 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 and reorder your priorities so that you can actually live a life worth living. A life of, of love, not just busyness. And we're going to see this next week, but all throughout the Bible, God is inviting his people to, 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 into, this, into the divine rhythms of limit and margin in every area. We're going to actually spend a lot of time in the Old Testament and discover that God literally, this is incredible to me as I was looking through this, God literally mandates margin. In other words, at one point, I mean, we usually think right of the Ten Commandments, is like, well, these are the things you know you want to make sure you don't do. Whatever. And God is literally like, okay, we've got to get one of the big ones out there. Here's the deal. All your work is to be done during the week, but Friday night, it's lights out. Push, push away from the desk. Turn off your BlackBerry. No more texting. Put down your hammer. Put your to-do list away. 24 hours. Come get away and rest and take a Sabbath break, a spa for your soul. Time for recreation, recreation. Time to rest, space for me to heal all the broken and torn things in you. Imagine the insanity of that, that God actually had to codify it in the Bible. Thou shalt take a day off. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, marginless living traces back to the beginning of time. And we still kick against it. But, but, uh, but, what if, but if I don't check in or work or take some down, who's going to run the show? Exactly. Who would take care of it? It would require you to actually trust God with the details. Trust the basis of any relationship. As margin increases, relationships flourish. And when margins narrow, they suffer and squeeze everything out of our lives that make life worth living. So this fall is a great time to take inventory and to recalibrate if necessary. Um, And I hope you'll accept the invitation to restore margin to all the areas of your life that matters most. I mean, margin in your schedule, in your relationships, in your morality. Maybe you've been stretched financially. Maybe it's real practical for you. Emotionally, maybe that's through relationships. But most importantly, spiritually. In fact, if you had to choose uh, one area where you need the most margin, which, where, where would it be? Look at the areas that we've touched on. Would you just take a look at these? Which one of these would you pick? Would you say it's financial for you or emotional or relational or, or maybe it's moral margin? You're stretched to your limit in an area. It's like stretching your moral boundaries. Or maybe it's scheduling margin or spiritual margin. Which of those would you say will be the most challenging for you to grow in this fall, if you had to pick just one, which would it be? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out that connection card again. Take out that connection card. And I want you to actually go on the back of that thing. And I want you to actually, you'll notice at the end, it says, my next step from today's message is, and I want you to write, to grow in the area of fill-in-the-blank margin. What would it be for you? Whatever you feel like God is speaking to you today, if you're listening or watching online, you go to liquidchurch.com, you type it into our blog, okay? But I'll just give you guys a minute to do that. And then this is for me, okay? For me, I'm going to honestly write, I wrote down, I already did it. Um, it's scheduling. It's time. That, that is a he- Achilles heel for me. But I want you to feel free to be as specific as you can. If you're like, it's, it's relational margin, and you want to say, you know what, my wife and I, we are like just missing each other. That, that's great. Let me know. We will pray for you this week as we start this journey together. I mean, maybe it's finances. We're going to dive into that area, and that is profoundly spiritual as well as practical. But what one area, I mean, there may be a couple, if you had to narrow it down, is most lacking margin. Where do you need to grow most this fall? Now, here's the deal. These connection cards are absolutely confidential. I'm going to ask you to to fill out the front details too and just leave it on your seat before you leave. And myself and the staff, we're going to read these this week, and we're going to pray for you. I hope 
you will pray for me? Can you pray for me? Because we are in this together. And this will even help us as we move into the real specific actions next week that are going to help restore sanity to overloaded lives. Feel free to write as much as you want. Um, and again, you can go to liquidchurch.com, post your comments there. But we want you to participate too as part of our extended family abroad. Margin is about space to rest, time to heal, and it's where relationships happen, in the margin, where love is planted and trust gets nurtured. And some of you here today, this is your moment. This is your moment to stop in your tracks and actually assess where you're headed and accept Jesus' invitation to rest. Reducing margin in your life is not a long-term strategy for success. It's actually a recipe for disaster. It's actually entirely possible to fill up a life with all sorts of good things and miss out on the good life. Jesus wants more for you than that. He actually gave his life for you to experience more than that. And the question is, will you accept his invitation? The words he's speaking to you today. In fact, I'm going to ask that we stand together. Uh, you can finish filling out your connection card or simply put it in your, on your seat there. And I want to read Jesus' invitation, Matthew 11, together. There's something about hearing this spoken that I hope will encourage you to take a next step and come back next week. So if you can put that on the screen, we're going to read this together. Right here we go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, thank you for that invitation to come to you. No matter where we are or how hard we've been running, Lord, you invite us to slow down and hand over to you all of the burdens and tasks and responsibilities that have been weighing on us. And just just give them to you. So we come to you for rest, God for healing, and Lord, for a new perspective on what it means to truly live. Jesus, we come to you for life. We'd ask that you'd plant your life in us with increasing measure this week. Lord, I pray right now for the relationships out there that need healing, that you would begin that process, Lord. Even tonight, open up conversations this week that need to be spoken. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive that, God. I pray for those who are suffering under the the strain, even of financial burden, God that you just let them know they're not alone. There, There is hope. And even this week, maybe demonstrate, God, in a tangible way, your provision for them. Lord, I pray for, for all of us who are stretched beyond our capacity, for moms at home with young children, um, for overscheduled business people and for burned out pastors. I pray, Lord, for a new yoke, God, a yoke not of guilt or more things to do, but of ease and of true rest. Give us the courage, God, to stop and slow down and find our refreshment in you. Change us, Father. We want to be more like your son. It's in his name we pray. We all said? Amen. Amen. God bless you.